It's certainly glad to see all of you guys today. Man, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, if, you, if you've been here the past few weeks, you know that we have intentionally designated the next few weeks to the sole purpose of communicating our vision and our forward movement as a church. You know, I'll just say this. If you, if you weren't here last week, we made a pretty important announcement, and the announcement was this, that we, that we decided to change the name of the church. Basically, that we were Celebration Life Family Church, and now going forward, we're going to be called the Anchor Church. And so, if you're interested in, in kind of hearing the backstory of that decision, obviously, that wasn't something that we, you know, came to flippantly. There was a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion, and uh, we really felt like that was the heart of the Lord for for this church. And so, if you're interested in hearing that uh, that story, kind of there, I encourage you to check out the podcast. We're going to throw up a thing here, real quick, just quick blurb. Like I said, if you want to follow us on iTunes, basically just go to iTunes, search the Anchor Church, subscribe there. That's where you can get all the podcasts. You can also find a link to that last sermon on the church website, the Facebook page, and even our new Instagram account. I know some of you guys are social media you know, folks, I am not one of those people. If you've ever tried to send me a message, you know I probably didn't get back to you. So anyways, but... So if you, but you, if you are one of those people, man, listen, we're, you know, a lot of, a lot of cool and exciting things are going to kind of keep coming to the forefront and we don't really want you guys to miss out, but uh, do us a favor. If you do see something that you think is, is noteworthy, pass it along to your friends. Amen. Help us kind of spread the news. So let's pray and we'll get rolling in the word today. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is alive and is powerful, God, that's still sharpening a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, we just believe today, God, that your word has the ability to cut through and speak to every area of our lives. And so, Lord, today we thank you for the anointing. Father, we thank you for hungry hearts, God, that as we're even sitting in our seats today, God, that we are... Uh, just have an anticipation in our hearts of what you want to do. Father, we thank you that it is a new season. God, we thank you that you are doing new things in our church. Lord, we thank you, God, that we're not, uh, we're not running ahead of you, but God, we're having the opportunity to run with you. And so, Father, thank you today, God, for just helping us to, to be uh, stride for stride with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, listen, over the past few years, I, you know, even before we came here, then obviously when we've been here the last two years, I've repeatedly have asked God for a few things. I, you know, I've just asked God these kind of questions. God, what do you desire for this church to look like? You know, I've asked him, you know, God, what's in your heart for these people? God, what do you want the culture to look like? God, what do you want our focal points to be? Because every church is called to kind of do something unique and different. We're not called to be, uh, you know, an imitation of somebody else. So God, who do you want our our church to be. And, and, you know, as I've spent a lot of time praying along those lines and thinking along those lines, I've almost every time jotted down some kind of note, you know, kind of repeatedly. And, and some of the things that have consistently came up in those times of prayer, you know, are these things. I just kind of want to show you a few things today and we'll kind of get moving here. But th- this is just a small sample that, that I've just felt like in my heart that God desires for this to be a place where people, and this is for every church, but that this would be a place that people would know God personally and not just know about him. Make sense? Are y'all with me today? That, that, there's so many, that there's so many places where they can tell you a Bible story, but they couldn't tell you if Jesus walked in the room. Right? And I don't want us to be those kind of people. I want us to know that we know that we know. Man, we know God personally. The, the second thing that continually comes up is this, is that this would be a place of encounter, that people would encounter the love and the power of God. Amen? God is alive. He is still moving. He is not dead. You know, you can hear a thousand sermons. You can go through a thousand worship services. But, man, one encounter with the love of God, one encounter with the power of God will change your life forever. Amen? 
So, you know, basically I've just prayed, okay, God, that, that this would be a place of belonging. And what I mean by that is this, is that in spite of people's stories, in spite of their past failures, in spite of their mistakes, even in spite of their successes, that they would feel like, man, that when they come here, that they belong to a family. And kind of part of that would be this, is that God would give us an authentic community where people think and act the way God intended. So many, so many churches, and I'm not saying this to, to slam anybody, but so many churches, man, they, they, don't, they don't act and think like God intended. Yes? And, you, you know, I, I just said in one, in one sense that, that if you go to church and everybody's judging everybody, that ain't Jesus. Amen? So, so, you know, to, to just be man, a pl- an authentic community that there's life. And so, anyways, that, that this would be a place where we would help people move forward in their journey with God through discipleship. Because, the, you know, that's the tricky part about being at a church because everybody comes in at a different spot. Right? Everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got different issues. But, but one thing I do know is God wants every person to move forward in their journey with him. He doesn't want us to get stuck. Amen? So, and also that, 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 just, that this would be a place where people would experience freedom from sin and oppression. How many of you guys know God's called us to be free? Amen? And then also that this would be a church, just three more, just that this would be a church that is spirit-led. Spirit-led. What I mean by that is that we'd be spirit-led in worship. We'd be spirit-led in our prayers. And, and it's that whole, whole thing that, once again, that, that, that we wouldn't be stagnant, but we'd be moving, that there would be life. That's the key thing, that Jesus brought life. And, and you know, the next one would be this, is that we'd be a church that reaches people beyond our four walls. I mean, you know, what, what good is it if we have a good time and it stays within the confines of these four walls? You know, my heart is, is that we'd be a church that we would, you know, we would affect people and we may not ever even know their names, but that we would have an impact on their lives. Amen. Because the gospel can do that. In fact, let me maybe say this kind of while we're here. You know, I think that one of the ways to measure the health of a church, it's not the only way, but one of the ways to measure health of the church is once again by what they're saying out there, not what they're saying in here. The last one is this, and, and this was, you know, don't think I'm less spiritual here, but, man, I just believe that this would be a place of, where we can have some fun. Yeah. You know, this sounds so cheesy, but there's a reason I try to be funny. <laughs> because there's something about, I don't let me say this. When I got drugged to church as a kid occasionally, man, I didn't enjoy church. I endured church. I suffered through it, right? You know, I've been in church services that lasted an hour, and it felt like it was four hours, and I've been in church services that were four hours that felt like an hour. I'd rather be on that one. Y'all thinking, my God, we're going to have a church service four hours? <laughs> Y'all got scared, didn't you? Anyway, so hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that resonates somewhere in you. But, but, but listen, out of response to those things, I've, I've just asked God for this. I said, okay, God, but with all that in mind, God, can you give us a language that, that simply communicates all that? Because it's kind of hard to say all that, right? And, and then I've said, okay, God, can you somehow give us some, some action points that would kind of help people kind of move along in their journey, kind of let them know their next step in you? And so if you kind of maybe grab a hold of this, that... That without, we can have all of that, but unless we can communicate that, unless we can kind of connect someone to a next step, then all of that's just going to remain a dream in our heart. Right? It'll, you know, there's an old quote that I like, you've heard me say it before, that imagination without follow through is mere fantasy. I don't want to live in fantasy. I want, I want to take what God has allowed us to dream about for years and years and years. I want to see those things come to fruition. Amen? So the, the next thing is this, and this is the most important, especially if you know me, and you can leave that there again. But, but once again, it's a, it's a God, can you please show us not just a language, not just uh, some action points or some next steps, but God, can you show me where it's at in the Word? 
Because God, if it's not in the Word, uh, guess what? Let me just say it this way. If it doesn't originate from the heart of God, it won't work. Okay, because the truth is, is we need the anointing of God. We need the blessing of God so we can move forward in what he's called us to do. And so unless we have an address to go to, we're wasting our time. In fact, the Bible says it this way. Those who basically build the house on their own, they labor in vain. Right? And I'm not interested in that. And hopefully you're not either. So listen, I want you to know today what I'm, what I'm about to share with you is what I believe of years of praying. It's 100% an answer to those prayers. And, and I'm not saying that it's flawless and it's perfect, but I am saying it is the right direction. So it, we're definitely headed there. So today what we're going to do is, is our main focus will be to give you a simple overview of how that vision, what we're, what, where we're going in the future, how that connects to the Word of God. And, and then we'll kind of end with this. We'll end with the language we're going to use. And for the next few weeks, what we'll do is we'll break that down and I'll give you more of the heart and more of what that means in a practical sense of what that's going to look like for us. So just hang in there and, uh, and hopefully I'll communicate this okay and, and it'll connect. Amen. All right. So let's begin with this thought. In my opinion, for far too long, people have viewed God as this distant taskmaster that, that simply just wants something from them. Can somebody say from them? So, so listen, it's almost like God just stands over. It's like some big bully, and he, and he says this, the way people think, that they say, you know, you need to pray, you need to read your Bible, you need to worship me, you need to be holy, you need to be pure, you need to be faithful, you need to serve, you need to give, you need to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as if God gets something from all of that. You know, and there's this theological thought that simply says God is all-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from us. So it makes no sense that God would somehow be a taskmaster that's demanding something, once again, from us. Now, do we need to do those things? Do we need to pray? Do we need to read our Bible? Absolutely, we need to do those things. But we need to do it from the right perspective of who God is, or we're going to absolutely miss the point. And so today, kind of what I want to tell you starting off here is simply this, that God doesn't want anything from us. He only wants something for us. Amen to that, right? That God doesn't want anything from us. He only wants something for us. And it's this idea, if you've read Paul's writings, where he said this, that the letter of the law kills but the spirit of the law, what? Gives life. So here's the kind of the idea that this, that the letter says this, that God wants something from you, but the spirit of the law says God wants something for you. So, which means this, this is kind of heart of what I'm saying today is that God's whole purpose of inviting us to relationship with him through prayer, through reading the Bible, through worshiping him, through living holy lives, through giving, through serving, and all those things, that's God's, that's nothing more than this. That's God's way of trying to release to us everything he has for us, to us. Does that make sense to you? That in other words, the reason we do all of that is because God is a good God and he wants to give something to us through all of that. Hopefully that makes sense to you guys. You guys are looking at me like that's not cool. That is very cool. So, so wake up. That is cool, right? That is cool. So listen, if, if you've ever, if you're like some of us and, and you've been one of those people that's in this room and it's somewhere along the line in your own heart that you've whispered, there's got to be more. Anybody ever done that? I'm telling you, if you've ever whispered those words, there's got to be more. You are absolutely correct. 100% correct. But I want you to know today that, that that more is only found in one place. And if you don't go to that one place, you're going to really miss it. And, and here's really the point I'm trying to make to you today. I'm, I'm really dragging here. But, but, but it's this, is that, that for, for most of us, it's true in this room that we're definitely not experiencing really all that God has intended for us. 
You know, God has, I'll just say it this way, God has promised us a, a, a fulfilling life, a life of fulfillment. And, and when we look at most of our lives, are we really having that? And, and if we're not having that, there's got to be a reason we're not having that, yes? So, so the more, and I kind of just said it, but the more that we're longing for can really be found in one place, and it's really in the promises of God. Can somebody say promises? See, you know, I'm kind of sure that most of you guys know that when in the pages of this book, the Bible, right? That my notes, this book right here, that there's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of promises that God's made to us. In fact, I'll just say this, just kind of wake some of you guys up. I, I actually Googled, because that's what you do when you don't know something, right? I actually Googled, okay, how many promises are in the Bible? And, and I saw one, it was 3,573, I think that's what it was. Then I, then I said, wow, that's awesome. I clicked out and another one said 7,000 promises. <laughs> then I saw it said 8,000 promises. I'm thinking, my God, somebody's got either an Alabama education here and, 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 and literally they can't count. So something, that's a big old gap, right? So, so would you say it's safe to say? Yeah, there's thousands of them. All right. So, so anyways, but here's what's so cool about all this is that literally all those thousands of uh, promises, they can all really be traced back to four core promises that are in the Word of God. Four core promises of the Word of God. In other words, every one of them go back to that. And here's what's so awesome. Those four core promises are tucked away neatly in a familiar tradition that most of us in this room know. It's called communion. And obviously communion is, you know, finds its origin in the Passover meal. Is that not true? So listen, for years, and, and hopefully I'll communicate it's okay, but for years I've never, I've never thought about communion. Obviously, I, you, know, you come to communion and it's a, it's a thing of worship, a thing of thanks, a thing of remembrance. But I never thought about it really beyond you, you know, uh, basically a piece of bread and one cup. Anybody else? Or you think bread and you think cup, and it's kind of rightfully so because when we read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, obviously the writers intentionally only highlighted two of the elements from the Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples. And then obviously we get why. Obviously the, the bread represents his broken body. The, the cup or the, or the wine represents the blood of Jesus. But it's really there that this thing that, you know, that yes, we celebrate and all this, but here's what's so cool is that the promises that God has for us, those four core promises, are really tucked in basically what the Gospels don't tell us. Let me just say it to you this way. Over the last year, I've learned that theologians say that the Jews, including Jesus, on this night when he would celebrate the Passover meal, they did not drink from one cup, but they actually drank from four cups. Not one, but they drank from four cups. Now, why in the world would they drink from four cups? Because each of the four cups represented the four core promises that God made for them while the Israelites were still in Egypt. So let me, let me kind of backtrack here. If you've ever read kind of the Moses story, kind of even backtrack, obviously, and I'll go quickly here, that here's Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. We know that he ended up basically being a Potiphar's house. We know that he went to jail. We know that he rose basically to uh, a position of leadership and prominence. He was basically second in the kingdom. We know that God used that man to basically save the world from a famine. Is that true? And, and so, you know, during that time, the Hebrews moved basically to Egypt, and, uh, and the Bible says that they're number grew to like 4 million people. 
That's a lot of people, right? And, and Pharaoh basically got scared, and, and Pharaoh decided to basically make them slaves. Obviously, we know Joseph died, and, and basically they were overwhelmed, so they made them slaves. And we all know the, the story as it goes that one day they were still growing, and they were still multiplying. Obviously, they, they took hold of that promise, be fruitful and multiply, and they were doing their thing. And, and anyways, they was having some kids. And, and so Pharaoh was, Pharaoh was nervous about all that, and so he decided to tell the midwives to go kill all the male children. And that's kind of where the spirit of abortion began, by the way. Just so you know. So anyway, so, so basically go kill all those kids. And, the, and the, basically the midwife said, we're not going to do it. So he ordered his army to go kill the boys. We know that Moses' mom made a little basket, put pitch and tar, and sent that baby down the, down the Nile, right? And obviously we know he landed in Pharaoh's house. And he grew up, realized he was Hebrew, killed an Egyptian. Are y'all tracking here? We went to Midian, you, you know, married him a lady over there, had the burning bush experience. Then he comes back. And in that process of him coming back, that's when God spoke basically to the Israelites and he gave them four promises. And uh, the, the Jews actually call these things the four I wills because it was the four things that God said, I will basically do this for you. Did y'all get all that? All right. So, so let's look at the four I wills. Here we go. Exodus 6, 6 through 7. Exodus 6, 6 through 7. And this is what God's promising all of us. It says this. It says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Then he says, I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And verse 7 says, I will take you as my own people. And I will be your God. And says, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Pretty awesome. Did God do all that? Yeah. He did. We know that after that, the ten plagues came, the freedom, blah, 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 goes on. But So let's look real quick. What's the four core promises that are to all of his children? And I, I promise you, we'll make this connect to you. Number one was this, is I will bring you out. Let me maybe stop here. I wasn't going to say this today, but I feel like I need to. So when these guys would sit down and have Passover, in other words, once the Passover was established, if you don't know what the Passover is, let me say it, it is basically on that 10th plague, God said basically he was going to kill all the firstborn. If it was a cow, if it was a horse, if it was an Egyptian, if it was a Hebrew, whoever it was. And what happened was, is we know that God spoke to him and told him to put blood on the doorpost. And basically that the angel that came that basically brought judgment would pass over that house. Okay? So, so after that, God spoke and he gave, the, he gave the children of Israel, I think it's seven feasts. And one of those feasts was Passover. And so this is something they would celebrate as a family every year. Okay? And they would celebrate what God did of how God delivered them. So what would happen is, is when they would sit at the table as a family and they would have their Passover meal, as they ate, they would go to this scripture in Exodus chapter 6, and they would begin to read the promises. And when they would read the promises, once again, four, they would have four cups that was designated for each one. And the first cup here where it says, I will bring you out, that was what the Jews called the cup of sanctification. So they would actually have a cup that they called sanctification. As they read the promise, get the picture, they would drink from the cup as an act of thanksgiving and worship of what God did for them. The, the next promise was this, was I will free you. That, basically the cup that was assigned for that was called the cup of deliverance. By the way, they still call this today. 3,000 years later, they're still doing what we're talking about. Okay? Still happening. So it's called the cup of deliverance. The, the third one was this. I will redeem you. It was called the cup of redemption. 
the cup of redemption. They would read the promise straight from the cup. And then lastly there, it says, I will take you as my people. They called the last one I love. It's called the cup of praise. And they would drink from the cup of praise and they would celebrate. Are you guys getting the picture here? So let's give you a simple overview of what those things mean to us. Here we go. Let's break them down. Number one, I will bring you out. Watch this. This is God's promises for you today in Jesus' name. I will bring you out. God promises every one of us what? Salvation. He promises every single person salvation. Now, you got to get this. It's the same thing with those guys in Egypt. In this promise, God wasn't worried about fixing them. He wasn't interested in, in them being nice to people. He wasn't interested in them going to church. He wasn't interested in them knowing how to pray. He, he wasn't even worried about them trying to clean themselves up like so many of us do, right? Before I can come to God, I have to clean myself up. But basically all God was trying to say is, look, I'm trying to get you out of Egypt. I'm trying to spiritually relocate you. I'm trying to get you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So if I can kind of add a, add a phrase here, in short, it was this, is that God wasn't trying to get the dirt off of us. He was just trying to get us off the ground. Amen. That's where the cup of sanctification, the promise of salvation is. And, and listen, it is God's heart. I don't care what you ever heard. It is God's heart that every single person would drink from that cup because the Bible says that he wishes none would perish. Amen. So the second promise was simply this, where he said, I will free you. What is that? That God promises to deliver us. That God promises us deliverance. That's good news. Amen? Amen. And if you can kind of understand, at least when I read that, I kind of think this. Okay, what's the difference between bringing this out and freeing this? And I can almost imagine the Egyptians. Please don't miss this. Because truthfully, this is where majority of you are at in this room. Scared you there, didn't I? Watch this. Listen, that's line like this. I can see the Egyptians come to God saying, God, what's the difference between your first promise and this one? Basically, you said that you were going to get us out of slavery. Guess what? You, you got us out. We're not slaves anymore. But for some reason, you're saying that you still want to free us from slavery. Are you guys seeing the redundance here? In essence, here's what God was telling them. He's basically saying, look, you may not physically be slaves anymore, but you sure are still acting like one. Right? And, and it's this mindset here. Watch this. That, that God can take us out of Egypt... But then he's got to get Egypt out of us. And see, basically the problem is, is that, in fact, if, you, if, you, if you're like me and you read Leviticus, Jesus, help us. Right? If you've ever, y'all that aren't laughing, go home and read Leviticus. You'll laugh too. So, so go, go home and l- listen after lunch. Grab your hold of some Leviticus. Uh, see how long it, you, you go until you take a nap. All right? But anyways, so, so you're like, God, why are you saying all of that? Right, Ten Commandments, and then there's this all this extra active stuff. Why was all the extra active stuff? Was it to bring law? No, it was trying to teach them how to not think like slaves. That's the purpose of it, right? For you guys that have read it, you understand what I'm saying. The rest of you, go read it, all right? But basically, he's saying this. He was telling them, man, you still think like a slave. You still act like a slave. You still believe like a slave. Man, you're acting like you're still in bondage in Egypt. And it's this. How does that manifest? A victim mentality, poverty mindset, low self-esteem, carnal nature, works mentality. You're still struggling. And God is saying, look, I want you to be free. So let me make this personal really quick. How many of you guys said, man, I know I've drank from the first cup. I know God saved me. But you got to understand that just salvation isn't the beginning and the end of it all. Right? There comes a place that now, guess what? He's trying to deliver us, not from a demon, but from our carnal nature, our old man. Right? And so there's that sense that this is that how many of us have been stuck in a certain spot for 20 years wrestling with the same thing. The good news is, is Jesus wants you free. And in fact, the good news is, is he's promised you that you would be free. 
See, in fact, the, the word promise means this. It means an offer that guarantees a result. It's an, but, but notice the first part, though. It's an offer. Unless you want to believe the promise and apply the promise, the promise will do nothing for you. That's why so many people are stuck at the first cup. I'm saved, bless God. Right? L- listen, in the South, they just say, man, if I could just get over the Jordan. That literally, that there's this mindset, man, that I'm going to struggle and I'm going to fight and I'm going to somehow survive this life. And when I die, thank God I'm going to go to glory. That's not Bible. There's a life of victory now. Amen. Listen, let me say it this way. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life to know him who sent you, who sent me. Okay, tell me Jesus who sent me. So to understand that that eternal life and everything that that involves happens now. It's not something I'm waiting on one day when I die. How fun is that? Right? Come to God and suffer. Yeah. So anyways, unfortunately, like I said, most people are still stuck, man. They, they, they need that second cup. But, but I want to say this to you really quick, okay? And, and, and this is why so many people are stuck at the second cup. The first cup, is, it happens instantaneously. It's a prayer. It's a change of heart. And instantly we're saved. Thank God for that. But then with the second cup, guess what? There's a process that takes place. Yes? So the process, basically, let me show you where God's trying to get you. Here's the third promise. It's called this. I will redeem you. Man, that's a good promise. I will redeem you. The word redeem, that sounds like a, a different word, but it simply means to put something back to its original intent. So God is sitting here and he's saying, look, I'm promising you restoration. I'm promising you restoration. You know, I can never personally, uh, I wasn't there, but I've heard the story enough. You, you know, anytime I think of the word restoration, I think about when my wife and her father, when she got, what was it, a... 65 Mustang when she was in high school, okay? And they basically restored that thing, sandblasted, took it all out, made the whole floorboard change. I've seen pictures of it. And, uh, and you drove it for how long? Three weeks? Two or three weeks and a potato truck hit her. So next time you eat a potato from Idaho, think of that, okay? Think of restoration. So anyways, but that's what God wants to do. He wants to take something. Listen, let me maybe say it this way. If you've ever bought a used car, one of the first things we, we do, especially if you didn't buy it from somebody who knows how to clean some, you, you go, you clean it all out, right? And you suck all that dirt up in the vacuum cleaner and all that stuff. But how many of us have ever, like, sucked all the dirt up and then went, wow, look at all that dirt. Yeah, look at it. And forgot about the car. And that's the way we think God is. We come to him, and like he's, like he's a collector of sin. Ooh, look at what I got. He's not worried about that. He's worried about restoring that. Does that make sense? So basically it's this, that God is saying this and this, this promise of restoration. He's saying, look, I want to put you back to what you were supposed to be doing because you were never meant to be slaves. So true, right? So, so, you know, basically this is where God helps us discover basically our plan and our purpose for our life. It's what we call in the theological world our redemptive calling. So in other words, once again, what we were designed and what we're created to be. Now, here's what's crazy is... I said this past few weeks, but studies show that 87%, that's staggering, that 87% of the church do not know their purpose. Which tells us all the more that, yes, we've drank from the first cup, and we're trying our best to drink from the second cup, but 87% haven't even made it to the third cup. They don't know their purpose. Are y'all with me? 
Like they don't even know why they're here. And here's what's crazy is, is how can we ever know? Or let me say it this way. How can we ever be fulfilled if we don't know why we wake up every morning? Right? And, and, we, and once again, you know, we wonder why every Sunday we... If you're broke, busted, disgusted, if you're going through struggles, if you're going, man, Jesus wants to... That's not the way it's supposed to be every Sunday. Right? We don't come here Sunday. My God, I need some help. No, we got to celebrate, y'all. Right? But, but listen, we're not going to celebrate until we learn how to drink from these cups. Yes? Amen? Amen. 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 So here's kind of the deal is, is this. Let me say it to you this way. In this third cup, God is trying to give us something bigger than our issues. You'll hear me. So often we bring our issues to Jesus. He don't want your issue. I mean, he'll help you with it. Yeah, but man, there's a purpose in life that he wants to connect us to. Let's get connected. Amen? All right, so let's kind of look at the progression here. Notice the progression of the four cups, four promises. Once again, he gets us out. He gets the junk out of us, heals us, delivers us, all those things. And then he helps us discover what we were created to do. That's uh, find our design, our purpose. And then this last one is where he strategically places us into the body in a certain place. And this is where the fulfilled life is. This is God's plan for all of us. And once again, this is a process that we want to work people through. So number four, here we go. He said, I will take you as my own people. So what is God promising here? He's promising us fulfillment. That's good, right? That's where there's got to be more. It's found in the fourth cup. But watch this. This really only happens, and you'll notice this. In fact, let me just go ahead and say it. You'll notice in the first three, in the first three, it was really you, 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 you. It was all individual stuff. And then we get to this last one. He said, I will take you as my own what? People. It goes plural. And what he's trying to say is is this, is, man, I am trying my best, once again, to bring you out, to free you up, to heal you, to give you a purpose. And this last one, man, I'm trying to connect you to people. Right? I'm trying to connect you to people to do what? To make a difference. Because every one of us were created by God to make a difference. Yes? And so what happens is, 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 is God comes in and he begins to strategically place us where we can make that difference. And he places us part of a family, part of a right team, part of a right place, part of a right community, part of a right church that shares a piece of God's vision. In other words, it's like-hearted, like-minded. And I'll just tell you this for myself. That's where the kingdom gets fun. That's where it's fun, is when you, when you realize that, man, Jesus is moving. Yeah? So let me, let, me, let me maybe say it to you this way to help you out. All across this room, man, God, God moves through us all the time with people. Thank God for that, right? But, but can you imagine how the power of that doubles and triples and quadruples and whatever is fifth time of that, okay, when we partner together and do it together? Yep. See, that's why the Bible says that, that one sets how many flight? Two sets, 10,000 a flight. God's a God of multiplication. Amen. So here's a quick reminder of what God is offering you. Once again, it's the offer on the table and what he wants to give every person in the Midcoast region. Here's the four promises, and then we'll put a different language to, us, to it. He's promising us salvation, deliverance, restoration, and fulfillment. That's pretty good, gang. If you don't think that's good, check your pulse. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> so once again, it all boils down to basically God wants us to live a life of abundance. So, so let's, do, let's talk about this. Let's shift gears. We are going to make this a lot more practical over the next few weeks. So if I went over your head, come back, okay? And I'll do better.
So in that thing, okay, God, where's it founded in the word? Here's what happened with me. I'll just say it. Is I'm praying and praying and praying and praying. I'm going, God, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? And the cool part was like, boom, there it is in a hidden place, right, where I didn't expect it. And then I noticed as I read the Bible, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it literally throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Then I'm seeing it in the life of Jesus, in the Great Commission, seeing it in. The, so it, you literally see this throughout the rest of the Bible. It's why it's called an eternal promise. So it's not just for one group of people; it's for all of us. But but you can't really get up and tell people that don't know God. God promises you salvation. He promises deliverance, and restoration, and fulfillment. Say what? What does that mean? So what's our language going to be so people can understand it? Because the goal would be is that when people come in the door, that hopefully they could quickly connect with what we're trying to do. Make sense? And once again, it's not what we're trying to get from them. It's what we're trying to give to them. Amen? So what, what are we going to do? And this is, here we go. I'll give it to you. Basically, we exist to do this. We exist to help people know God. Every person was created with a desire to know God. I don't care who they are. That's why they're all looking for love. He is love. They're looking for him. They just don't know it. So we want to help people know God. Second thing is we want to help people find freedom. Everybody understands freedom. Right? In other words, we we have 4th of July. We understand freedom. Right? We were in bondage. Now we're not. Hallelujah. Okay? Third thing we want to help people do is we want to help them discover purpose. And every person wants that. 87% are looking for that. Okay? And, And that's in the church. How much more in the world? Okay? And the fourth thing we want to help people do is we want to help them do this. Help them make a difference. And, and, and that's the key part right there, man. That's really, it's really serving. And, and here's, here's what's crazy. Watch this. We get up here so often in church and we ask people to serve in certain positions. And what, and what so many people don't understand is, is there a need for us? Yes. But, but, but you need to understand that you need to serve more than we need you to serve. Because why? Because that's where fulfillment is at. And so when we don't do these things, guess who we're robbing? Ourselves. So listen, so really, really, like I said, today's really simple, but this is the journey that we ourselves want to go on. You, you know, today, I, today inwardly, I hope you're asking yourself, you know, have I drank from the, the first cup? Hopefully you have. H- have I drank from the second cup or am I still stuck there? H- you know, have I drank from the third cup? Am I moving? Am I moving forward? No, you know, is there a progression that I'm going in in life? And hopefully today somehow you're identifying what you think your next step needs to be. So remember last week I started talking about just confirmations that God gave me, right? Some pretty cool stuff in my opinion. In my opinion. I mean, I was like, wow, okay, God, you're, you're really cool. So, so I told you guys that one of the first things I did when I heard the Anchor Church... One of the first things I did was to go find it where it's at in the Bible. And what was so funny is I, is I uh, said it was in two places. And I was wrong because I looked the other day and it was in five. And I said, okay, I missed something the first time. So like I told you, it's in Mark where, where they came and they anchored outside the city. They went in the city. Jesus did all kinds of miracles. Really cool. Okay. The last one was Hebrews. Jesus is the anchor of our soul. We talked about we have this hope as an anchor in Jesus, right? But, but, the, but so that was two of them. Well, in Acts 27, it mentions the anchor three times. And, and here's what's so cool. And, and this, and I, you know, God works this way. But because there's certain t- things that like that, I go, okay, God. Okay, that's cool. But, but God, I need to have confidence that that's really from you. That these four things are from you. It's really what you want to do. Is it me or is it you? 
and I think God kind of keeps us from seeing things and allows us to see things later to kind of prove a point, yeah. you know, to encourage us. And so I, the other day I just said, well, let me double check again because I certainly don't want to lie to people. Maybe it's not in there twice. And that's when I found it five times. Now I went and read Acts 27. Now here's what's so cool. I'm reading Acts 27, and it says this. It says that uh, basically Paul was on the ship, and they were in Fairhaven, and they basically Paul said, hey, man, look, look, we do not need to leave. We've already missed the window. We missed the time. I, I feel like if we step out, man, we're going to lose our lives. Anybody ever read that story? And so they basically said that they listened to some other people, and it seemed really like the people who were trying to make money are the people that persuaded them to go ahead and set out, people that had a, an agenda there. And so they all hop on the boat, and they go, and we know the story that this big, uh, basically, hurricane storm-like comes. Actually, the word it uses, and all you guys will understand this, the word that's in the Bible is a, is a northeastern. How awesome is that? That basically hit their ship, and they were basically, many days, many nights, said they didn't see the light of day. It was just dark, and they were just rocking and rolling. Now, now watch this. This is so cool. It says, on the 14th day... Y'all realize that in like a few weeks, we're stepping into the 14th year as a church. Just a thought here. And to, uh, yeah, I didn't realize this. Today, Jen told me like, today's the 14th. I thought today was the 15th. Today's the 14th. I'm like, okay, God, whatever. I'm not trying to make something more spiritual, but I'm like, that's cool. So watch this. So here they are. They're freaking out and they're going, man, we're going to die. And, and Paul basically gives them a word. Hey, an angel visited me last night. He said, basically, look, we're going to lose the ship, but we're not going to lose our lives. Now watch this. But they're in the process. There's no land around. And, and, and it says that they finally come to a spot, and they, they realize there's land, but they're afraid that they're going to run uh, basically on the land, and everybody's going to die. So watch what the Bible says. It says, so they dropped four, four anchors. Are y'all getting what I'm saying here? Because maybe, maybe I'm just geeking out here. So, so but for, and, and so here, here's the thought that came to my mind. Of what stood in between their destruction and their destiny was four anchors. So what's our four anchors? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's our four anchors. Pretty cool, right? So... Amen. So let me give you one last verse and we'll be done. This is kind of what I hope our attitude towards the four promises are. It says this in Romans 4, 20 through 21. This is obviously talking about Abraham. It says this, it says, Yet with respect to the promise of God, in other words, the promises that God gave us, that he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in the faith. And why I'm saying that is this, is that we wouldn't leave this place today and go, Yeah, right, God. And we'd say, no, 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 God, that's what you want to do for me. And we wouldn't waver in that. But it says basically that by doing that, that he gave glory to God. And I'm telling you, if we grab a hold of these four promises, the outcome is as God gets the glory. Amen. And then it says in verse 21, it says, And being fully assured or persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Do you all believe that today? Do you believe that? So once again, here's four promises tucked all the way back here in the, the, the origin, uh, the origin, basically, of the Christian faith and the Passover feast. That, that that thing was tucked away intentionally by God. Promises that we can believe for today and that we can move forward in our life in Him. Life of fulfillment. Amen. If you can, just close your eyes, please.
here's what I feel like we need to do today. We'll pray. But what I want to do today, and I, you know, I know I, I'll just shoot straight with you here. I realize that today's kind of one of those awkward days in the sense of this, is that there are some people that say, man, hey, pastor, you could have just said that last stuff first and got practical with us and it have been all right. But then there's those other people that's like me that goes, man, I would need to hear it in the word. I want, I want to be able to, I want to be able to anchor into that, to what the word says. And so I realized that, man, today was really kind of meeting the needs of different kinds of people. And that is what it is. Uh, hopefully you got what you, what you need to get. Okay. Um, but what's the most important thing today is this, is that we don't leave this place. Um, if we've, we don't leave this place without at least drinking from the first cup. In other words, if we're here and we've never been saved, we've never made Jesus the Lord of our lives, you you know, maybe we've tried to uh, clean ourselves up. And let me maybe just say it to you this way. If you still feel like there's a burden on you, like you're just, there's a weight on you, like you're, like you're just, uh, man, just weighed down with the cares of this life and all of that, more than likely you've never drank from the first cup. And today what we want to do is we want to just simply just make an opportunity, give you a chance to drink from the first cup if you've never done so. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you never feel like he's relocated you spiritually, we want to give you an opportunity to do that today. So with all eyes closed and every head bowed, if you've never, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I have never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I want to today, just lift your hands, please. Just give an opportunity to anyone. curiosity how many of you guys are here today you're like man I, I drink from the first cup but I but I certainly need to drink from the second cup just out of curiosity I really need just some good healthy deliverance and some years and some healing all right awesome all right so I'm gonna pray and then uh, I'm gonna give you some announcements and the team will sing a song and we'll, we'll, we'll roll it out of here today Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your promises. Father, we thank you that you said in your word that your promises are yes and amen. God, that when you you said, and in fact, even as it says in Numbers, God, that you're not a, a man that you shall lie, nor son of man that you change your mind. But God, when you speak, God, will you not act? When you promise, will you not fulfill it? And so, Father, today our expectation is, is that you would fulfill those promises in our lives. And not only in our lives, but God, you would fulfill it in, the, in this region and so many people's lives that need it. So, Lord, we just thank you today that you do promise salvation. God, that you do promise freedom. God, that you do promise restoration. God, to give us a purpose. God, you do promise, God, that you'll help us to make a difference. And so, Lord, today, uh, just as the leader of this church, and just, just as one voice with all of us, God, we say we commit to those promises. God, we commit to those promises to move forward in agreement with you and what you desire to do in this hour, in this season, in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen.